I love that song, and I love um, the prodigal father picture that, that Brendan painted, and it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, but in this song, there's a different image, or an additional image. It's not a different one. It's an additional image. God does not just expectantly wait for us to come to him. Sometimes he busts down walls to get to us. I, I, don't, I don't know. Every time I see it, I see, you know, I'm a Blue Bloods uh, fan. And for those of you, I don't know if you watch the, you know, I'm just, I might be the only one. <laughs> like old people watch it, and it's me. Um, but I just see God coming after an imprisoned person in a room and saying, that's enough. He's mine. She's mine. And I want to say this to you in this room. If you're here, God's knocking down walls. He's leaving um, other things behind to come to you. He's already done it, maybe. Maybe he's doing it today. Um, You're here by invitation from the Lord. And maybe even this morning, God is saying, I want to knock down the walls that imprison you, and I want to set you free. So I love what uh, one of our elders, Sarah Yoon, as she led communion this morning. And thank you, Sarah. You did a fantastic job. Thanks for leading us out um, in ministry. But she, she started off the, 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 the whole time with that thought of hunger. And so this morning, as you listen to the Word of God, we've already, we've already encountered God's presence this morning, but as you listen to the Word of God, let hunger for God be your theme and know that God is wanting to fill you satisfy you, deliver you, encounter you this morning. Also thankful for Christopher Greco. You glad for Christopher Greco on the keyboard and leadership? More to come. Thank you, Christopher. We're, we've been friends for a long time. It's been a dream of mine uh, for many years. Oh, there you are. Just looking all around. It's been a dream of mine for many years to be able to walk alongside of you, not just on occasional moments through prayer meetings and different things, but to walk side by side with you. So looking forward to the time to worship together and lead out, and uh, what a, an, an additional extra grace to have his wife with him, Dorothy, and just the blessing that she is. You, you maybe have, some of you have already experienced that through our marriage conference and retreat when they both taught. She also is an author, a writer. She has a book. She also has got many articles in Christianity Today and many other publications. Um, so a treasure, a jewel. These are jewels here that we have with us, the Grecos. So get to know them in the season that they're here this, in this season. Last week, wow, sorry about that. Last week um, we had the ADS, uh, the, the discipleship school, come and lead the service. And after the service we had a cake auction to raise money for overseas missions and also the training school itself. And we raised over $7,000. So way to go church. Uh, combined with uh, Antioch Brighton, um, the school raised over $16,000 for their trips and uh, for the training school next year for um, scholarships and tuition for those who want to be a part of the school next year. We already have some of you that are signing up for the school next year, and this is the season to do it. So if you're interested in what these students communicated about last week, please contact Phil and Leslie Masterson, who lead the school, and they'll give you more information about how to get involved. Also last week, and this will segue us right into our message, we heard an awesome message preached by Marla. Everybody give it up for Marla. I think she was over here earlier. Lost her. Okay, she disappeared. Huh? She's with kids. Okay. Preach one week, go work with kids the next week. That's just what we do here at church. So she did a fantastic job of opening up the Word of God to us out of Acts 12. And we're going to just basically, I'm going to piggyback off of her message last week and 
stick with her theme and add a couple extra things to it because I feel like that what she talked about is very, very important um, in regards to the theme that we've been camping out in for the last few weeks. If you remember, heading up to Easter, we talked about Jesus and focused on his life in um, the gospel, specifically the, the story that's told in Mark. And we talked about him revealing the kingdom of God to us. And then as, as, as Easter came, we celebrated that truth that he not only died for us on the cross, but he rose from the grave, and that he is alive, and that he revealed himself to many disciples and witnesses while he, he was here on earth, and he ascended up into heaven as the witnesses watched him ascend, and that he sits right now at the right hand of God, and it says he's interceding for us, he's, 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 he's on our team, he's uh, excited about what's happening in our lives, and he is establishing his kingdom here on earth through us. Amen? Amen. Say, I am, I am the kingdom of God. Do you believe that? It is true. It's a crazy thought. But because the Spirit of God lives in us, and that next week we talked about uh, the Spirit of God dwelling within us in Acts 1 and Acts 2, because as believers, Jesus, the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live within us. Uh, we, we possess, we embody the kingdom of God. And last week, Marla said this. She, she, she was a mathematician for us last week. Do you remember that? She said, I, I'm not really a mathematician, but she said, God gave me an equation. Um, and the equation was, who remembers? Community plus prayer equals miracles. Community plus prayer equals miracles. Now, a little bit later in the message, I'm going to become a mathematician as well, and I ha- I'm not a mathematician either. So if Marla and I blow things up mathematically, forget about it. Just get the principles, all right? But community plus prayer equals miracles. Do we believe this? Do we want to see this more? Amen. This week we're really um, encouraged, and, and, and I especially because I, I, I know the the person who called, but we, we got a phone call on our church voicemail. And it was a friend of ours, actually um, a, a friend who helped, started, helped start this church some seven and a half years ago when we were still meeting in the movie theater off of Pine Street, and her name is Whitney. And she called to share um, a miracle story. I want to keep this up here because this is what happened. Um, community pl- plus prayer equaled a miracle. She called to let us know with sadness in her heart, but also with thanksgiving that a dear friend of hers, or a, not necessarily a dear friend, a dear friend of hers, ex-husband. This is where the kingdom is beautiful. And, I, and, I, and you'll understand as I share the story. She called to let us know that um, this man had passed away the, the day before. And she wanted, us to, she wanted to tell us the backstory. When she had lived here, she became friends with a woman through her daughter's fencing school and they became sweet friends and as a result of their friendship Whitney and her daughter Rachel who was a, who was in the fencing class with this other person began to pray daily for this family she said we prayed every day uh, for their salvation we prayed that God would bless them and encourage them and heal them and um, over the course of time I don't know this part of the story but uh, the the wife and husband separate uh, divorced um, he was in a really bad place in his life um, in a real broken place, and they they got a divorce, and eventually Whitney and her family moved um, 
uh, to Virginia, and this family also moved, this, this wife and her daughter, and, and I don't know who else moved to Virginia as well. But the ex-husband stayed in Boston, and they had shared with him about our church. And so she says, I don't know how many times he visited. Maybe he, he for sure visited once, maybe a couple of times. But on one of his visits, because of the atmosphere of God's presence in the service and the preaching, God got a hold of his heart and sobered him and changed his life. He found Jesus just being in God's presence with us. And she said, and now she's crying as she's sharing the testimony, she said, Thank you for being a voice of hope, for being a place of life so that a man who walks off the street who doesn't even know who you are could encounter the living God and his life was transformed and he was saved. He was set free and he was redeemed. Um, And she says, I know that he is, he's in the arms of Jesus today because of your life as a church. So church, thank you. Your community And your life, along with the prayers of Whitney and Rachel, produced a miracle in this man's life. It gave him an opportunity to encounter the living God. And the God that we love and we serve is a God of miracles. Amen? We're called to pray for ourselves, for one another, and for those who have not met Jesus to receive salvation, to receive his life, to receive his healing. Um, Do we believe? Do we believe? that Jesus is the hope of the world. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) Do we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world? This is what we believe, and this is how we come to God every day, whether it's in our home, whether it's at work, whether it's at church, whether it's in a small group, we come with the expectation that we are getting into the presence of the living God who can change the world one person at a time through what he, who he is and through what he's done for us on the cross. So that first act of him, and Sarah did a great job during communion of describing it, that first act of his death and then his resurrection uh, initiated, uh, laid the foundation for the kingdom of God to be among us, a kingdom of forgiveness, a kingdom of resurrection power, a kingdom of miracles, a kingdom of God who is all of these things I just said, breaking into this world of sin, breaking into this world of hopelessness, breaking into this world of despair and discouragement, breaking into whatever you want to describe that's less than a miracle, less than hope, less than life, less less than God broke in. And through his life, death, and resurrection, and ascension, and, 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 and authority, has brought his kingdom back to this earth. Do we believe that? Okay. It's a little hot in here, isn't it? We might, you know, if you, need to, if you need to stand up, you can stand up. I know it's hot up here. So, I want to I change the equation. I'm, I'm going to add to the equation. I'm going to expand the equation. Marla's equation from last week. Prayer plus community, that was her points in parentheses, brings God's presence. Prayer and community brings God's presence, and that equals miracles. And miracles happen because of the power of the Holy Spirit and our obedience to Him. Sometimes God just does miracles without us obeying. Praise the Lord for that. 
but he invites us into this journey. The whole, the whole Bible, and especially the history of the church, is marked by him saying, you know what, I don't want to do this alone. This is what it's all about. I'm about community. I'm about coming and saving and redeeming people so that we together can go on a journey together. So that we can partner hand in hand, life in life, and see great things happen together. God is a community God, and He's inviting us into prayer, and prayer is prayer and worship. It, it, it invites His presence so that we can see the miracles of God happen by His Holy Spirit and through our obedience. And so let's look at Acts 4 and 5 this week and just carry on this, this theme that Marla introduced last week. She was looking in chapter 12. We're going to go back to verses, uh, chapters 4 and 5 and see a very similar story, just re-emphasizing what God wants to establish in our church in regards to this kingdom principle of prayer and community being His presence, ushering in the miracles of God through our obedience and through His power. Read with me in Acts chapter 4, verse 1 and following. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted, and let me st stop for a second. They had just healed a crippled man. So they had just healed somebody, and in healing this crippled man, a crowd gathered, as would be normal, if a, healed, a crippled man that everybody knew day in and day out sat there begging because he was crippled. He gets up, he's starting to dance and rejoice and whatever, and it drew a crowd. And so while P Peter and John were speaking to the people, to this crowd, they were confronted by the priests, the captains of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so that the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. So there have been added from this, this continual sharing of the truth of Jesus what happened in Acts 2 at Pentecost, where there were thousands saved. Now we have 5,000 men, and that, that to be noted, that means that there was double or triple of that of, of children and women that were saved uh, in those numbers. And so the next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest, and they brought in the two disciples and demanded, <laughs> be careful what you ask, by the way, they said, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Can you imagine? It's like a preacher's dream. I mean, it's like, please set me up. Set me up for the message. And so they just said, here's a softball. Hit it. By whose power and whose name? Do well, thank you for asking. Let me share. And so then Peter, what does it say there? Filled with the Holy Spirit, God's presence in our lives, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you, know, do you want to know how he was healed? Well, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which men or by which we must be saved. 
That's the gospel. And the gospel that was preached there is preached today. And if I were to have a softball thrown up by you, which you you have given it to me because I'm the preacher here today, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus who died and rose again then is the same Jesus today. And he is the only person, the only God through which any of us can be saved. This is what Peter preached. This is what the Holy Spirit is preaching today. And it says in verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Okay, I'm just going to pause for a second and say, sometimes I believe because I talk to you. Golly, sorry about that. I'll try to not bow my head. Sometimes I believe that in a congregation this size, there are people who sit and listen to me preach or see Sarah Yoon come up and talk or see Christopher or see different ones and say, you know what, they're so anointed. They're so trained and so skilled. I'm sure they've all gone through multiple years of seminary or sat under wonderful teachers and have learned such wonderful things. And the reason that they are able to do this, that, or the other is because all of these things which I don't possess, and it's true, there's no way I'll ever be able to play the keyboards like Christopher Greco because I haven't trained or learned. Or I might not be able to sing like my wife. Or I might not be able to talk in a certain way. But that's not what these leaders said. They heard whatever came out of Peter in John's mouth, and they were amazed what? They were amazed at their boldness. The Spirit of God was present on their life, and they were amazed because they recognized that they weren't schooled or educated men in the Scriptures. They were just normal, what do we know, fishermen. Just normal people like all of us in this room. But because they had been in the presence of Jesus, because they had been in the presence of Jesus, because they had been in a community that prayed and worshipped and encountered the presence of Jesus, that when their name was called, and how many of you know that God calls our name? He calls every one of our names. It's not just for the professionals. It's not just for the life group leaders. It's not just for the D group leaders. It's not just for the training school students. It's for every one of us who calls on the name of Jesus and is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, which is everybody who has been saved. At any given time, he is saying, are you ready to be bold? Are you ready to preach? Are you ready to share? I can't speak. I don't have any skill. I don't even know if I understand the scriptures ready. Have you been in my presence? If you have been in my presence, and you have been filled with my spirit, and you know who I am, and you know by the name of which you have been saved, then when I call you to open your mouth, just open it, and I'll do the rest. I'll do the rest. I will place upon you my presence and my spirit in such a way that when people look at you, they'll go, whoa. I don't know what or how to describe it, but that person is different. They've been in the presence of God. Recap of the message. Peter and John had just healed a crippled man. They began teaching the people about Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. They were arrested and they were put in jail overnight. Remember jail last week? What happens in jail? Miracles. 
powerful things happen not just on the streets, but powerful things happen in the prison. That's important for us to hear. Our, our testimony for God is not just when everything is going great. Amen. God doesn't just meet us or acclaim, uh, anoint us or empower us when we're free and we're out of the clear, out of our trial, out of our oppression, but oftentimes the place of God's meeting and His sustaining and His empowering and His deliverance is in jail. Some of us in the room are in jail. And I don't say that with any condemnation in my heart. I say it with hope. That you might feel sidelined because you're dealing with stuff that's overwhelming you. And you know what? I have been overwhelmed. I have been discouraged. Ask my brother David. David and I pray a lot together over the last few years. And there have been times, David, have I not come to you and said, Brother, I'm in a dark, hard place. But if I didn't believe that God met me in the prison or in the, in the darkness of my life or however you want to describe it, then I wouldn't be standing up here today. I would have already quit. I would be selling, selling something, but not Jesus. But Jesus meets me and you in our jail because he's a God of deliverance. He's a God of hope, and he's a God of hope in all circumstances. And he met Peter and John in that cell. How do we know? Because when they were rescued, when they were not rescued, when they were this time they were just taken out and, and placed before the council, we see this, verse 18. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We can't stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. You can't muzzle us. You can't keep us from telling the one great story that we have in our life. And you can't tell us to stop talking about Jesus because we've already seen his power and we've already seen his glory. And it's awesome. And then the council threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. So they return, verse 23, and they tell the believers, and guess what? There were believers that were praying. And when the believers heard um, what had happened, it says in verse 24, they lifted their voices together in prayer, and I believe praise and thanksgiving to God. And then this is what they prayed. Okay, remember, their friends had just been thrown into prison, thrown into jail. They'd been, just been questioned. They'd just been threatened not to talk about Jesus. Peter and John come back. They praise God, and then this is what they prayed. Verse 29, and now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. Hear the council's threats. Hear the leader's threats, and give us your servants Great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they went forth and preached the word of God with boldness. I need five bold actors. I was so stirred by Marla's demonstration, and we're going to do it again. Five bold actors, of which two of you need to be men. Come forth. 
I'll take six. I'll take seven. It's okay. All right. I've got two men. I want you two men over here. You're my actors over in this corner. Everybody meet Peter and John. Give them a hand. Peter and John right here. All right. This is the church. Okay. Okay. Get in a circle. Now, this is, this is called improv acting. Um, just... <laughs> Because I, I have not told these people what they're about to do, okay? So this is all going to be what they anticipate needs to be done because of what has happened in the scripture, all right? So we have two groups of people this time. If you remember, actually come back together, stand in one line. If you remember last week, Mar- Marla said, this is what it looks like. Community comes together in prayer, and she said, and they build a wall for somebody, They pray and they call out and it becomes a wall of defense, a wall of protection, a wall of encouragement. They stand together unified on behalf of somebody else or some other people in prayer. Now break up into your groups. Now we have scene two, another part of the act. Now we have the story that we just heard. And what was happening in jail, Peter and John? What's happening? I don't know. You show me. You're actors. What's happening? They're praying, they're worshiping. Are they? Are you sad? Or are you happy? happy? You're happy. You look sad, Keith. Okay, all right. You're a little bit worried. Okay, you're happy. Keep on. Don't look at me. I'm just. I'm just giving you instructions. All right. Yeah, that's good. All right. And at the same time that this is happening at night, guess what's happening over here in another house? What's happening over here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I like that. That's good. You believe, yeah, that's good, all right, something, something's happening, all right, and they're praying, and they're believing, do you have expectation in your heart, why, all right, okay, why else, okay, okay, pastor, if somebody else speak, what else, Elaine, you have faith in your God, what about, what about you, Mary, and you're on your knees, what are you thinking? You know God's going to do something. What's happening over here? You still happy? Keith, Keith you're worrying me. I might have to replace you. All right. I just know what might happen tomorrow. Okay. All right. And so tomorrow happens. We move to the next day, and they get pulled out. Okay. What's happening over here? Okay. You're still praying. Okay. I just want you to know. And they go, and what happens? You stand in front of the leaders. Which one's you, Peter? Which one of you is Peter? Peter. And Peter, what do you do? Well, he asked, what, by what power in whose name? God's name. In Jesus' name, and you preach the gospel. Take your preacher pose. Strike your best Billy Graham. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. And so that's what happened. And then they get released. And what happens after you get released? You, you don't do that yet, but that's in the scripture, what happens after you get released? You go over here. And they've been praying, and the door knocks, and they open up the door, and here's Peter and John, and what happens there? I mean, don't be looking at me. What do you think, Pierce? Come on. Come on. All right. And there's a celebration, and then what happens here with all of you? You pray again. And then after you pray, what happens? Presence. You get filled with boldness, and then what? Go. Act for me. Go. All right. There you go. Watch out. They're coming. Watch out. They're filled with boldness. Duck. 
Everybody give them a hand. So this is what happens. We pray, we expect, we believe that things are going to happen in the Spirit, that are going to happen by the power of God. And then when God acts, we rejoice and we celebrate. But guess what happens in the kingdom of God? Life goes on. And it happens all over again. Look with me at Acts 5. But before we get to the next story in Acts 5, and real quickly, I just want to say this. In the interim, as they are filled with the Holy Ghost and they go out and preach, we have this segue between another jail story. And it's verse 32, and it says this. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that, they, that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified power, power, powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. When we get into God's presence and we are saved and set free by Jesus and we encounter the living God, it not only increases our boldness to tell others about Jesus, but it increases our boldness and obedience to love the church deeply and well. There's an, there's an unbelievable boldness in these verses that I just read where people would say that my neighbor's life is so important. As Jesus said that the two greatest commandments were to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and, and your soul. He also said the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And they loved their neighbors so much that they said anything and everything that I have is yours. I'm not setting up a law or a ritual or some kind of requirement here at the church, but I do want us to open up our hearts to say, how much do we believe that when we come into the kingdom of God and Jesus transforms and changes our life, that part of our commission is to love each other really well? It's to sacrificially lay down our lives for one another. And one of the illustrations, not the only one, but the one that is highlighted here, is the sharing of our resources. They had radical obedience not just to preach, but to give their whole life as an offering to those around them. My daughter Annie, and she would she'd kill me if she knew I was sharing this story, but I'm going to share it anyway. That's part of, part of the journey of kids growing up in the pastor's house is that some of their stories get shared. <laughs> okay, I'm getting clearance. Mom says she won't care. All right, I'm good now. I'm not feeling bad. You can keep it on the tape. All right. <clears throat> but she was in her small group a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about this place of giving. They might have even been looking at this passage of Scripture. And she felt like the Lord, as the leader of the group, she felt the Lord said, lead out by, if, you, if this is what I'm saying to you, obey by doing this and the, the act of obedience for Annie was to empty out her bank account now mind you she's a college student it wasn't tremendous amounts of money at the time but to empty out her banking account and to give it to the members of the group to divvy it up and give it to the members of the group so she did she shared her story she felt like the Lord said I'm God's wanting to just challenge us about radical obedience in the area of finances and I thought the Lord said to me give what you have and so she did and she said, and now let's just pray and ask the Lord what we should do with this money. So she invited them. Oh, actually, that's what she did. She brought the money and she said, this money that I'm giving, let's pray about how we should give it. So they prayed. And as they prayed, and I don't think it happened immediately, but over the course of the next couple of days, 
God began to speak to different ones in the group. And Annie's part of the story, and there's, there's parts of the story that I don't know that went out to other people in the, in the community or whatever, but Annie's part of the story is that one of them felt like they were supposed to take up an offering for her. And so out of her amount of money they took up, that she gave, but they took up an offering, and I'm sure that the offering that came back, it was a couple hundred dollars, was probably more than she put into the offering. And not only did they sacrifice, others sacrificed for her, but one of the people, or at least one of the people that was contacted, either in the group or outside the group, felt like the Lord stirred them to give Annie $1,000. And this person didn't have that kind of, I mean, that was, they weren't like a wealthy person, but they felt stirred to give. Annie didn't share that story to get anything. Annie shared that story to say, we need to live radically for the Lord and trust that God's going to meet our needs. But God encouraged Annie um, in, that, the, in that story with uh, others' faith blessing her. That's how the kingdom of God works. Not a tit for a tat or a dollar for a dollar. That's a gospel that's not the gospel in, in, the, in the Bible. It's a relinquishing of what we have and saying, God, I trust you however you're going to provide. And sometimes God not only takes care of our needs, but what does the scripture say? It's pressed down. It's shaken together. It's overflowing sometimes in our life because God doesn't just like to meet needs. He likes to bless abundantly. So faith in our community is stirred when we get into God's presence and pray and worship and experience his presence and he releases his miracles through his Holy Spirit and through our obedience. Okay, Dan, why don't you come on up as I look at the time. I want us to be able to get into God's presence together. <clears throat> if you read on in chapter 5, I was going to do a little bit more of an in-depth uh, look at this passage of Scripture. So after this, we have another jail term, and we have another threat from the authorities, and we have another response we can't obey you. We have to, I mean, we have to obey God. If you're asking us to do something that God, telling us to do something that God says we should do, we're going to do what God calls us to do. And God um, delivers and defends, and they continue to share the life of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. They continue to live with his boldness and his power. So let me ask you a question this morning as we conclude. Have we prayed in worship today? Have we been in community today in the presence of God where we have prayed and we've worshiped and we've experienced his presence? We have. I tell you, before I got up to preach, I didn't really have to preach. We had already experienced some visitation of God and God was already speaking. There were people even on the sides of the room praying for one another and responding to God because God was ministering from the moment that we gathered this morning. Through our community gathering and through our prayers and worship, God's presence became present. He made himself um, available to us. So have you been in God's presence this morning? Okay. So if we've been in God's presence this morning, what happens in God's presence? Miracles. And how do those miracles happen? By the presence of the Holy Spirit, his power, and oftentimes through our obedience. We preach when he says preach. We stop when he says stop. We listen when he says listen. We share when he says share. We make ourselves available to the whispers and words of God. And so would you as the band, can you go ahead and just play something behind me, Chris, or whoever. 
um, let's, let's close our eyes and let's just ask the Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? This morning we did this very thing as we prayed over the service. We said, God, what are you saying? What are you doing in our own midst? And what are you, what are you communicating about the, the service to come? And we felt like that there was a couple of themes that the Lord was highlighting. One of them was, Jesus is light. He's not darkness. And he's inviting us, and we sang about this a little bit this morning, he's inviting us to come out of the darkness into the light this morning. It's not a scary place. It's not a condemning place. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of forgiveness. Actually, the word secrets was attached to that. There's some of us that came into the room with secrets that we're hoping, I mean, we, we think that we can hide them and keep them away from anybody ever knowing, but they just continue to haunt us. They continue to pursue us. And God is saying, you don't have to have secrets. You don't have to be in bondage to the secrets of your life. I'm here to forgive. I'm here to redeem. I'm here to deliver. I'm here to set free. Come to the light. Come into my presence. In that place of light, in that place of um, bringing our secrets to God, we, we experience and encounter the presence of God. And there's no shame. There's no fear. There's freedom. There's love. There's acceptance. So that was one of the things that God is saying. But what else is he saying? What is he saying to you? So let's just take a minute. We're gonna, I'm just going to be quiet and we're going to listen.